With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 31, season two of Red Wings Red. I feel like I almost said our old podcast name right there. Uh, where tirades and the passion please. is fun like tournaments and boy oh boy the big old march tournament is in full swing oh boy DraftKings <laughs> sportsbook america's top rated sportsbook app is putting new customers in the center of action that's you maybe unless you've already got the app bet one dollar in any tournament game and if your team wins you win one dollar times a hundred that's a ball turn a dollar into a hundred dollars with one hundred to one odds. Who can lose? Pick any college basketball team that's still in the hunt for your shot at winning one hundred dollars. All it takes is a one dollar bet, and of course, that team has to win. <laughs> There's no better way to put your college b-ball hoop knowledge to the test than to turn off a hockey podcast and put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook has 100 to 1 odds on select fighters for this weekend's UFC 260. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100. The college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win. That's code THPN. To turn $1 to $100 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right. Mike, like I said, let's uh, – oh, my God. We lost literally everyone that was watching. They're all gone. <laughs> Thank you, DraftKings. All right. Move. It's um, All right. We'll, we'll hit the fast forward button next time we, we read those. But um, everyone that enjoyed that DraftKings promo, um, we hope you, you come back for the podcast some other day. All right. So what do you want to tackle first, Mike? Do you want to get the boring stuff out of the way or you want to do some hot takes on uh, game management from referees? Boring stuff. Man, this is a week of hot news. Woo! We got my we got- we got two weeks worth of, uh, or two years, we can uh, actually tank with purpose, Matt. The draft lottery is ours to win. Yes. Woo. Matt, just imagine. Listen to this. Matt, our, our boy, broke it down for us. Friend of the show, Mr. Greg Vishinsky, if you're of the motherland. Uh, basically just explained that the lottery will now determine only the first two picks of the draft rather than having three different lotteries for the first three picks, which is complete nonsense. Uh, teams can move up a maximum of 10 spots by winning one of the two lotteries. Hence, only 11 of the 16 teams that miss the playoffs will be eligible for the first overall pick. A franchise can win the lottery no more than twice in a five-year span that isn't exclusive to the first overall pick. It means a team can't advance by reason of lottery win more than twice in a five-year span. Starting then. So what I read is that other teams, the Rangers, can still uh, come up top and um, 
take advantage and and win. It doesn't start retroactively, which would be nice because we're the only team that, my God, have we moved down, what, eight spots in the last three or four years? It's like, um, uh, I think we talked about it last year, but like since they started doing the draft lottery, like our position has backed up like a total of like 30 spots, like a, cum- a cumulative number of 30. And like it's just the next, like the second place team is at like 10 or eight or something like that. So it's just, it's, it's been, it's been awful. There's a lot of complaining going around, but obviously this rule is in place because of how terrible we were last year and what a terrible draft pick, terrible draft pick we got, even though we're all sold on, on lucky Luke Raymond. Um, So it's, it's just, uh, yeah, there's a lot of ways to look at this, Mike. There's, there's the, uh, you know, we won't get screwed as bad again. Uh, or you can look at it and go, you know, looks like we'll be getting screwed some other time in the future once we hit those two lottery wins. And then, uh, you know, another Shane Wright comes down. Uh, you know, thankfully, this does mean that there's no way we can get screwed completely out of Shane Wright. Like, it's not like um, they, they said you could only win one draft lot, like you can't win back-to-back draft lotteries, you know, then we'd go, oh, well, the Wings are going to win this year, and then we're going to be screwed out of Shane Wright next year, which, you know, you can't you can't manage your team to go, well, man, if we don't draft Shane Wright next year, we're screwed. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you yeah. absolutely, like, this is probably the year of the last decade where, um, you know, maybe looking at the Nolan Patrick year too, but it doesn't really matter if if you're going to win the draft lottery or not, you're, you're going to get a solid guy and you're not going to get the game changer for next season. Top to bottom. Yeah. You might luck into it, but the prospectus, the consensus on the prospectus is that that's not going to happen. So, yeah. I mean, um, uh, these rules are fun, right? Because uh, you're like, oh boy, can't, can't wait for the future. Uh, but the, <laughs> the dust is already settled. Um, like for example, if this year it applied this year, right? It it right. means that we would have had Tim, don't call me Stutzla, Stutzla, um, in the winged wheel. Um, and he would also be leading our team in points. Uh, another fun fact. Uh, but both of those things are irrelevant, Matt, because it doesn't start this year. Um, it starts later. Uh, but I wonder if this kind of makes Iserman, you know, he's sitting around. He knows Mike's really into uh, me, not, you know, any other Mike. He knows I'm really into trades. And uh, maybe now he's thinking, if I'm really going to tank, maybe we uh, start fielding those Manta offers, huh? Now we got a shot, at least of the third pick, if we really suck. Even if we don't get the first and second pick, that third pick looks pretty good. Matt, does this increase our odds of Iserman doubling down on the tank? I'm pretty sure where we're standing right now, it does not. We don't even need to make adjustments right now. <laughs> We've been flying high before these two yeah. shutouts. We were flying high, brother. Uh, it was uh, Ken Kell who said, "Make sure that you." Uh, in our interview with him a few uh, weeks ago, um, you know, make sure you, you take a long look. A big, a big sample is how you're going to build trends, and I'm pretty sure the Red Wings have built quite the trend to say that there isn't somebody on this team that's going to absolutely pull them into a playoff spot uh we love we love some of these guys but uh right nope nobody nobody's pulling us into a playoff spot uh we don't have a combo of of mcdavid and dry to just will through sheer offensive power (laughs) this team into the playoff so uh that being said we're even farther from that because it's it's pretty hard for us to dig out of the, the bottom uh so yeah, I, I think it's just in the cards. It's just those guys are going to get moved regardless. So, uh, or if they, <laughs> Jesus, they'd have to do so much of a jump forward now and next season to guarantee that nobody that's on this team right now is getting moved. So I, I just, uh, the, the NHL draft lottery rules changing is, is irrelevant. It's also the difference between us getting a fourth pick or a third pick. Because it still feels like, you know, this doesn't guarantee we're going to win a draft lottery. Uh, this just means we're not going to fall back three spots. We're just going to fall back two. So I'll, 
like all of this is, is it's it's not going to change Steve Eiserman's plan. Uh, it's just now this is where our head is at, and when we plan for us to drop, uh, we just drop a couple of spots. I do think so it's, it's interesting that the idea of um, I I I want it. I want someone to tell me if if the draft lottery is for the first two spots and the last place team in the league gets the second pick, does that count as them winning the draft lottery? Or do they have to, do you have to either be, if you're the last place team, you either get the first pick or you have lost the lottery. So I feel like that has, I I haven't read anything there. But I, I'd like I'd like to know. I, I I think it says you can't advance by reason of lottery more than twice. So adva- right. If, so then advance to me says that if, if you you're if you're the last team and you end up getting the second pick, you didn't advance. You lost. Right. Yeah. So that that's the thing to me. But I haven't seen that explained anywhere outside of that that you know outside of my sentence. Said, yeah. Outside of that, uh, outside of that sentence, it still feels like the argument. Like if somebody told me right now that no, 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 you you are advancing from number three to number two because you if you don't win the lottery, you're third place, but if you win it, you're first or second. So I I, I can imagine somebody making that argument to me, but uh, that's still something I'd like to see in writing so that I know where my head should be at in regards to these new rules, but. Um, yeah, like I said, uh, new new rules. Uh, I I think ultimately it's a good thing because if we wind the clock back, I think we would have liked these rules to be in place last year. Um, it's just they you know they weren't, so we don't get to be too excited about these rules. We just get to know going forward they're not going to be as thoroughly effed in the A <laughs> next time we finish last. Uh, if it yeah, has to be another reset, then it won't be quite as. Uh, I mean, all we do is all we do is drop, really. So uh, I, I don't know if we're really going to have to worry too much about these rules. About you know, oh no, the Red Wings advanced again. You know, you know that would be another uh, ice age. I would I would say. Uh, you know, the the winter is coming. Um, you know, pretty pretty long gap there in between victories of that lottery, Matt. Um, but it's just weird because. We thought this was hockey town. Uh, we want people to care. I thought for once they would let us cheat and win one of these ping pong ball things, Matt, but uh, not the case. Um, so I thought, well, I guess the NHL's real. And then uh, Tim Peel said, hold my hard cider. I got this. Uh, the poor guy, <laughs> he got busted. Um, Matt, what was the quote? I think he dropped an F-bomb on there. Was that a hot mic? Uh, yeah, comment, this is, this is the key. Like, this is so much bigger than just the quote. Because he also, he didn't even say it to another referee. He said it to a player, and he said it to the player of the team. He was calling the penalty on. This is huge! It wasn't much. Here's the quote. It wasn't much, but I wanted to get a penalty against Nashville early. Uh, by the way, um, if he is... Speaking to Philip Forsberg, this is from the. Uh, this is actually from uh, Matt Duchesne, who said it was to to Forsberg. Is is was where this quote was directed. Uh, why is he referring to Nashville in such a way and not just saying you guys? I wanted to put a penalty on you guys early. Like, what doesn't Forsberg relate to? Na- okay, anyway, that's a whole nother grammatical error. I feel like on Tim Peel's part. Um, we'll get into that and in for all the Patreon subscribers. But, uh, yeah, I'm like, I mean, this is how, this is, first things first. Anybody who saw this last night and said, my trust in all things is broken. Welcome to planet Earth. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If you voted for Joe Biden and expected it to be just sunshine and and rainbows, um, that's why we refer to it always in voting and politics is the lesser of two evils because all politicians are scum. So <clears throat> welcome to the world. Uh, it sucks. And your sports have been managed. Uh, maybe not like to the point where we can prove uh, like the, uh, what was it? The, the Black Sox, right? Um, yeah. 
Yeah, um, I don't want to get into history because I I'm not going to be able to remember. I just know that uh, <laughs> friends of of Nucky Thompson from Boardwalk Empire were involved. <laughs> in <it>. uh, <laughs> that's that's where I know my history for that. So I'm not I'm not I, I will say if someone told me today I'm not going to be shocked that that's the truth. But uh, you know we're not talking evidence as far as that. But this is easy, Mike. This is simple. This is referees and game management. I mean, this is the makeup call. This is everything I think we've known as a thing for years. There's, It's been said for since, since I've been a sports fan, I, I've only ever heard this, is that there's penalties on like every single play in football. Who knows what the hell a balk is in baseball? Nobody can put a finger on that. It just gets called willy-nilly. It's not a thing. It's just... Ah, that guy blocked. Take a base. Like, no, nobody ever is like, oh, there's, you know, you never line up with the umpire. Hockey, yeah, there's make, just like, I think hockey and basketball are probably like neck and neck where it's like, there's the makeup call, right? Um, I, I, just, uh, I Yeah, I will say, uh, Matt, is anyone really surprised? I hope not, but apparently there are. Like, I, that's where I, I say, like, welcome to Earth. Like, yeah, this this has been happening forever. Your your sports are not pure. I uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess the, you know, politically correct thing is to, to kind of be upset and outraged at the integrity of the game that we hold so dear. No. We thought it was a fair shot for both teams when that puck drops and, you know, may the most honest team win. Um. It's definitely, you know, there's narratives that get propelled and certain teams get calls. There's definitely superstar calls where better players get the benefit of the doubt. Uh, you definitely see it in hockey. You definitely see it in basketball. Um, well, I, I was listening to uh, Sportsnet earlier today, and they have Ryan Callahan on. And he says, in one part of his conversation, he says, look, referees just need to call it when it's a penalty. And then he's asked, like, two minutes later, like, well, isn't it true that veterans are going to get better calls than rookies? Well, like, yeah, you got to earn the respect to get, you know, the notoriety around the league and for referees to, to be able to listen when you have a complaint. And it's like, so wait, wait, what, hold on a minute, Ryan. You're going to, on one side of your mouth, talk about how refs just need to call the penalties when they're on the ice. But on the other side, you're like, well, I mean, if it, it's, if it's Lafreniere, he's got to earn it. I mean, he, he hasn't earned it yet, so he doesn't get a penalty. Guys, <laughs> it's it's Franz Nielsen. Guy's been in the league 20 years. That's, I'm not calling a penalty of Franz Nielsen. Are you, are you out of your mind? Right. That's the long and short of it right there. It, it's this guy just thinking in his head, like, how is this going to benefit me the, like, the best way possible? And uh, <laughs> what I, I do have to give credit to is, uh, is like, Matt Duchesne, who uh, at first was telling his story earlier today about Tim Peel talking to Forsberg and and just like casually t like discussing like, yeah, Tim just came over to the bench and started talking about it. And then uh, the interviewer had to like push it out of him. Like, isn't that weird? Yeah, I guess that's weird. It's like, they don't care. They know it's a thing. But it's like at that time, like what? Nashville just won. And he even said, like, if I'd be much more upset, like he says in this interview with, you know, Nashville Radio, if we had lost that game and then it turns out we, we lose making it to the playoffs by a point, I'm going to be much more upset. And it's like, yeah, right. So what are we doing? <laughs> what, what we did do, Mike, is we fired Tim Peel, who was in his last year. He was going to retire at the end of the season. So the NHL said, uh, here's our scapegoat. He's going to be gone anyway. We'll send him off on early retirement. I'm sure none of this is affecting him financially, which it shouldn't because this is a thing across all, all sports. I, I just, I can't get, I guess I'm getting so angry at the the reaction to this. And if anybody is is putting Tim Peel, if they, if they agree with what the NHL is doing, I, I just, like, wake up. Like, we're watching the league. <laughs> that allows people to punch each other in the head. And then on the flip side, they're going, the integrity of the sport was almost compromised last night. <laughs> it's like, what are you... You've literally had NHL players die early in life because they've gotten punched in the head too many times. But, oh, God forbid, Tim Peel gets caught doing what 
what these players have just on either side of their mouth they're talking like yeah this is bad but it happens. I just, like, uh, oh. you know, this. I think it's, uh, it's just a reminder for me of, you know, like those uh, movies. Uh, you know, like it'd be a boxer in the 1920s, and you know he's down on his luck, and so he gets paid to throw a fight, and it's like we're not that. I, 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 there's no way to ever prove that a referee doesn't have a buddy who's like, hey man, bet I, I know they're playing the Red Wings, a real juggernaut, but. I'm going to call a few penalties tonight and the Predators are going to walk away uh, with a shutout win. So, you know, go all in and you and I will buy a nice boat together. You know, there's there's no way to like follow up on that stuff. If it's just a few degrees of separation, he could make a lot of people rich. I think that's something to get mad about, um, especially if you start putting money on these games. Uh, definitely starts to feel like you're not getting a fair fight anymore. Uh, but I, I don't I don't really know what to do about it. It's it's one of those things like the only, uh, you'd have to be like just 1984, um, not the year. I mean the the book and just have robots officiate the game. There's there's not really any other way to go about it. Uh, I, I don't maybe the penalties like the repercussions for getting caught and you know when they you know you'll see those news stories where we very heavily you know review the performance of all of our officials. You know, before, during, and after the season, to And then we score and rate them. And, you know, referees that score and rate better, you know, they get the higher priority games. And it's just it's just impossible to, like, possibly think you can police that. There's there's no way. I, I, I don't I, know. I just, they don't I think, want to police it. That's the thing. They don't care. They just finally got caught. And thank God it was Tim Peel because he was leaving anyway. So they could just, like, that... That's the problem. I tweeted out earlier today, like a a, a fake shocked uh, Jason Siegel, uh, and, and he was the represent. He, he represented all of professional sports. Hearing that this happened in the NHL, and he was like, "Oh no! Oh my gosh! No way!" Like they all do it. We just he should have got an it. Emmy like, for that. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it's it's not anything that like that's the that's the problem, and and. The folks that have been tweeting out, like, the issues are with the rule book, uh, which I really respect that. Like, it's it's too they, – they purposefully make it obtuse so that there is more control. There's more human control in the game than just like you said, what if we had a robot control the game? I, I think that's more chaos to the execu executives in the NHL uh, than, it, you know, obviously the fan base, I think, should should be all in on that because that's how you get your – your pure sport, uh, of course, until we start questioning the programming of said robots, but uh, finding out that they were created in Toronto or something like that, and then you, you lose know, in Toronto, and you know. I think uh, one of the other pieces too is so often, um, yeah. like uh, players, if they're upset with officiating and they make a comment, they get fined. Coaches, if they get upset with officiating and they make a comment, they get fined. Uh, commentators are just supposed to say, well, that was a little bit of a questionable call, but they can't outright say that's, they usually don't say it's outright bad officiating because, you know, they're essentially, you know, one hand kind of pulls the other to, to get paid. Um, it's just, like you said, the, the leagues don't care that much. They would rather like protect their own self image rather than have you think that it's a corrupt system. That it's, until the players can, you know, make a judgment and, you know, on microphone and not feel like they're going to get, you know, penalized, you know, a, a couple games worth of, you know, salary, it's not going to change. It's just they're just going to get better at hiding it. That's all. I wouldn't be surprised if we also very quietly saw fewer and fewer uh, hot mics uh, opportunities for referees oh. to do that. Like a harder way for them to even yeah. turn on their, their mic, you know, when they make the penalty calls. Um, you know, fewer player opportunities for them to be mic'd up, wired for sound for the game. Though that's what's going to happen first. They're going to have fewer opportunities for you to notice, rather than just outlaw the bad referees. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, like that's the other thing too. Like, however that got on the air, that's the guy that has been murdered and his family is gone and they're buried in a ditch somewhere. Like that. They're gone. Like, that guy's just off the face of the earth. He's done. Yeah, he got a baseball bat out in the middle of a pond. He's he's done. 
Oh, yeah, we got it. We're gonna have to check the rivers in Nashville. Um, I, <laughs> all right, joking aside, joking about death aside and murder. Um, Mike, we, <laughs> we can only go into this so far, but I, th I think ultimately, I, my hope is that anybody who's listening to this or gets a chance to listen to it just know, like. This, this is just more evidence of nothing against the sport of hockey, but why the NHL is the worst thing. Why, you know what, pro sports. That's just not, most pro sports suck. We just, like you were mentioning earlier, like betting on these things. Um, Mike, I just, I, I turned $5 into $50 last night using DraftKings. Oh. Uh, when, when I signed up, I used promo code DHPN. Um, but that's just one of those things where you, you either have to manage the way you're betting, like I do, um, or you just, you know, block it out of your mind that the ref is going to screw you over. Because I've also, Mike, been just minutes away from winning like $80 on, on a couple dollar bet. Uh, but some empty net goals go in. And then, then what? Then I'm just like, well, this stupid game, why do you have empty net goals? And I'm, I'm supposed to win based on an over-under. And now I, don't, now I don't win $80 because the Blackhawks scored two empty net goals with 15 seconds left. Like, yeah, I mean, that's the other thing, right? So the, the refs are in the way, empty net goals. Hockey's just a complete garbage sport to bet on, by the way. Let me just throw that out. Now there. we know what Matt's really upset about. Yeah. He, he lost money. He lost if a couple lost of... money last night. No. I'm... He lost a couple of gold coins betting on the old DraftKings. <laughs> Um, I think there's only, I mean, I, I don't know if there's anything else you want to touch on, but I, I just, yeah, like, like the, the evil thing here, the evil entity is the NHL because they're not really policing this. Uh, they're so lucky that they have a Tim Peel that's leaving already that they can just fire. Um, and then, um, yeah, ultimately they like, don't even, you have to be upset at the players too, because like I mentioned this interview with Ryan Callahan earlier today on, on sports Sports nut, I think. And, um, you know, to Matt Duchesne, like, uh, you know, flipping his story, like mid-interview of casually it's it's Tim Peel talking to Philip Forsberg. Then it's that two seconds later, it's like, oh, it's so weird that a ref would do that. Whoa! Um, yeah, it's just the, the players know what's going on. Um, but Tim Peel wouldn't go up to Philip Forsberg and say it. If, 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 like, that obviously wasn't the first time. Come on! Are we, are we really going to believe that? No, we're all smarter than that. Be, be better. I ask our pro wrestling listeners to be better. You, you hockey fans be better. Just don't trust the NHL. No, don't do it. Um, garbage. Well, right. I don't know. I, I, it's tough. Cause I like, I'm, I'm upset, but I'm so detached to the point where I'm like, well, I, I Shame on you if you don't think that there's, you know, just a little bit of shenanigans going on. Uh, it's it's happening. I'm sorry. Well, Mike, uh, Red Wings also, we signed a uh, 21-year-old Seth Barton, got uh, an entry-level contract uh, today. Um, you know what's interesting? So, I mean, what are we going to report? I, I don't watch college hockey. Uh, we can look at the numbers and see that he's 11 points in 20 games. He's a minus nine. Uh, our lack of availability of statistics uh that's what we have so we can go all right he's a defenseman with a minus nine cool um <laughs> sorry i i just think it's interesting mike that uh this is an entry-level contract and um i really wish i had a smidgen of talent uh because this guy if you look at cap friendly he's gonna walk away at the end of this contract having made 1.6 million dollars on an entry-level contract um three years in the NCAA. I'm not, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. Ladies and gentlemen, I just like that blows my mind. Like how far away I am from ever earning 1.6 million in two years. Um, man, like good for him. Uh, who knows, you know, what's going to happen. He might be career in the AHL. Um, and then maybe that, you know, it's, it's, it's a different situation then, but, but, uh, Gets those two years with this NHL entry level contract. God damn. <laughs> 1.6 million. All right. Uh, Mike, anything else you want to touch on before we jump into our interview with Scott Wheeler of The Athletic? 
No, not yet. I'm still trying to read up on uh, some of the, the trade rumors, and it looks like we still got to wait a little more time here, uh, a couple weeks. Uh, there, there's still some pieces out there floating out that uh, yeah. you know Tampa yeah. Bay would want would want to snag some Red Wings, but I, I've heard it go either way uh, recently. Whether teams are going to wait up until the last minute or they're going to be doing it early, and I would bring everybody back to the NHL draft and how that was the longest NHL draft of all of our lives because every team through every round for every pick took every second available to them to make the pick. <laughs> Where in past years, like rounds two through seven are done in like a half hour. Um, not, you know, not so much. So, if that's what happened with the NHL draft, where you're in a room, and sure, you have to wait for the other team to make a pick, but once you know it, you just go ahead and make the pick, right? It's not... If it takes 30 minutes in other years. All right, so that's my point. I absolutely <laughs> think these trades are coming soon. I, I think they're coming fast, and then they're going to be done like that, and we're probably going to see nothing the you know on the, the couple of days of trade deadline. Or if they're not then they didn't learn anything from the NHL draft and Matt was still right. They're just all dumb. So there's your two ways to look at it. <laughs> well, we narrowed it down. There you go. I mean, that's my, that's my reasoning behind why I think all of this is going to be coming soon because they couldn't handle a draft where you're sitting in a room with all your buddies that you've been talking to for months. You have your list of guys you're going to draft. Just do it. If that takes forever, you should not be holding on to these, you know, these trades and just going, well, we've got a couple more weeks. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I think it's just going to be our cheaper players. I, I saw some pie in the sky about trading Mark Stahl, but maybe if Eiserman wants to, you know, say we're going to eat most of that salary if you give us a better draft pick, that, maybe, yeah. maybe that'll happen. That um, is absolutely happening. But then I heard that they might bundle um, – um, my boy Glenn Denning with uh, Mark Stahl um, eat some of the cap. So it's going to be really cheap for like a million bucks. You get, you know, like a sixth defenseman and your fourth line center. And then you give us, you know, second or third instead of a fourth or a fifth. So I, I don't know. I don't know how excited that makes you, but you know, it sounds like best case scenario is a second or a third. Um, I read an article trying to say we're going to get a first out of that kind of out of the bundle, but uh, whoo! I don't know what kind of madman would give up that kind of uh, capital. Uh, yeah, we 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 were just talking a week ago uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning athletic writer. Uh, it, it's escaping me right now, uh, but came up with a trade that him and Max Boltman were going over, uh, where a first round pick. For Mark Stahl and Luke Glendening, and I was like, "Oh my God, yes, Jesus Christ, get them out of here as soon as possible." Yes. Well, yes. they always do those. Who says yeah. no? Uh, Tampa. Tampa <laughs> says no. No, I'm not giving you a first round pick for that. Uh, I saw oh. one of the offers was like a like a Tampa Bay because you know they're the goalie factory, so we try and yeah. snag one of their prospects. But I don't think they're giving us a first round pick, are they? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's I could not believe that that would actually happen, but I, I think Max Boltman, who was writing the replies on that on that article, was like, "Yeah, there's nobody in the league that would say no to this uh, if you had if you were on really? the side of it." Man, I could think of yeah. like thirty teams. No, if you were on, uh, wait, I'm I'm sorry. Can we back up? Are you saying that you would say no to receiving a first round pick for Mark Stahl and Luke Lendang? I want two firsts. No, of course I'm okay with it for the Red Wings. Oh, okay. I don't think Tampa yeah, Bay would be I, on board. Yeah, with then that. that's what we're saying. Like, if yeah, yeah. The, the other, the rest of the NHL is in the Red Wings situation. There's nobody that would say no to that. Um, oh, it's like right. hey, faceoff percentage really went up in value, huh? Wow. I again, it's it's probably a mistake. We're, I think you're missing what I'm saying. Yeah, I wonder if um, they meant to. No, I just. How did that trade even come to be? I can't imagine a first rounder. The only typo I could think is maybe an eleventh rounder. Because uh, I don't know if I'd want you know uh, Uncle Mark on my team. I don't know. 
I mean, there were some other elements of us taking on one of their larger contracts so that they could bring the cooch back into play, and then we would... All right, all right, we'll take Tyler Johnson, jeez. And a first-round pick, okay. Yeah, I'd absolutely do that. And and your top goalie prospect. All right, you got me over a barrel. (laughs) Oh, oh. all right. (laughs) This is a good time to transition into... uh, some more sophisticated language. Uh, of course, that is in reference to uh, Scott Wheeler from The Athletic coming on. Uh, Mike, real quick, I, I thought of this. Uh, the the Zack Snyder cut, uh, did you know that like 20% of it isn't, or I'm sorry, 10% of it is in slow motion? Really? Yeah. I, so I thought of that because I, I re-listened to the interview today and I had to cut a lot of it down because more than half of it, I think, was me talking. So that is nothing against Scott. Uh, he was very, uh, he was just a very generous guest and let me rattle on and on and on and on before I finally would throw out a question. Uh, so <laughs> I wish this could have gone longer. Um, I had a doctor's appointment with um, my one-year-old, so I, I had to cut him off. Uh, but it, it was amazing of him to be so flexible with his time yeah. because he even came in early so I could get, so I could leave the interview. So Scott is uh a, an absolute saint um hopefully he he will get his sainthood uh for coming out on the show and being so flexible with us uh can't can't thank him enough uh, can't thank him enough and uh everyone we've got prospect talk we've got volander we've got lucas raymond talk we've got a uh, great britain talk for prospects and mike we even go into wandavision so uh this is a heck of a conversation with scott uh, if you guys are not uh, following him on the athletic, of course, uh, they they always have those deals. I think right now they have uh, subscribe for a dollar, uh, something like that. So, uh, and then find Scott on there. And as we've been talking about for weeks, we wanted to talk about his prospects get rankings. Right yeah, um, yeah, Mike's ready to go because he gets to leave after I start this interview. Let's get All right, right in. <laughs> here, here we go. everybody he likes uh candy more than chocolate uh he has written for the sun and the stars from a toronto perspective and is uh, the prospect purveyor for the athletic he is mr scott wheeler scott how are you doing i hope i can call you scott how are you doing today yeah no i'm doing well i actually just before i hopped on with you here i was doing some video work on william valinder so uh oh, i've been working fantastic. on i've been working on red wings content all day today well, that's, that's good to know that you're in that headspace, because uh, I think for everybody uh, that's a Red Wings fan, as you could probably guess, we've had our eyes on the future for a few years now. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we're, we end up taking our conversations uh, for the most part. And uh, yeah, it's just it's an absolute joy whenever we can get uh, the likes of yourself. Um, so I, I couldn't be happier to have you on the show. I think I, I mentioned to you in a, in a message that my brother and I, who's uh, my co-host, we've We've been stuck with our 30-minute time frame, which we break all the time on the show, but um, <laughs> we've had your your top four, uh, I'm sorry, uh, us being number four, but your, your prospect rankings for uh, the entire NHL as a segment on the show for literally since it came out. And it just so happens that everybody wants to talk about whatever the last game was the night before. So I'm taking it out of the, the, the hands of the fans uh, for this next episode, and they're just going to have to live with it because uh, we can finally talk with the man himself, uh, those prospect rankings. But uh, before we do that, um, and I, I just want to jump in here so everybody can get to know who Scott is, and I hope uh, I hope we can have some fun with these. But uh, I, I might have led the witness on what the first topic is, but uh, just to break it down real quick for anybody who's listened for a while or who hasn't uh, heard one of our interviews, uh, Scott, I'm going to give you four topics here. You're going to pick okay. one, and then I've got uh, some questions loaded up with those topics. All right. So, four topics. This is the one I probably led the witness on uh, with your intro here, but uh, topic number one is candy. Uh, number mm-hmm. two is video games, if you are a player. Number three is uh, television binging, and number four is lockdown. Ooh, television! I I can I can I can roll with you on television binging. 
Fantastic. All right. So this is this was the one I was just taking notes on because I, I had it. I'll, I'll let you in on the you know behind the scenes here. I had another topic that might have just gotten a little too. Um, I, I I don't want to get anybody in trouble, kind of thing. I was I was going to give you access <laughs> to somebody's Twitter account, and I was like, let's not do that. Um, <laughs> but television binging. Uh, th this is as easy as it can get. But what what has been your security blanket? Uh, you know, especially over the last year, but what is that show that you just can't get enough of, Scott? Oh, there's a few of them. I feel like it, there's you have to separate the pandemic almost into two uh, <laughs> into two sort of separate lives. I feel like the the things I was watching early on in the pandemic, which were probably Better Call Saul and Ozark at the time, are, are ancient history at this point. But right. uh, more recently, uh, loved Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso was fantastic. I was a little late to the Ted Lasso train, but it lived up to everything everybody said about it, which is just that it's going to brighten your day and it's going to make you smile and laugh. And the characters are just so well-written and it's so charming. Um, I, I thought the progression of the way that the show sort of developed in that first season was, was really, really nicely done. Uh, so yeah, that Ted Lasso was probably the big one recently. Uh, I'm a big Marvel guy as well, so I obviously binged WandaVision, and we're now into uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, which had its first episode last Friday, which I thought was okay. I didn't yeah. love it, um, but WandaVision was excellent. I actually thought the last couple of episodes of WandaVision uh, were a little bit of a letdown for me. I didn't love them. Um, but the, the sort of first six or seven episodes of WandaVision were excellent. So that, that's really been what my wife and I have been watching the last, the last couple of months. Could I, uh, I want to take a stab. Like you said, you're a Marvel fan. So I, I, mm -hmm. I'm wondering if the letdown for WandaVision could have been connected to, uh, Quicksilver and, and possibly, uh, maybe the, I don't know, uh, just letting the air out of the bag on what could have been and just turning it into something that wasn't as exciting. If any, any of the letdown related to that? Uh, I think a little bit, maybe. The The show had kind of dangled and then Paul Bettany had also kind of dangled a big cameo that never really happened. And um, that part, that was part of it. I actually think that part of what was disappointing about the last two episodes, if I'm being honest, was that it felt like they were trying to do the superhero formulaic show a little bit more than they were. I think what made the first half of the season or first two thirds of the season so good was just how niche it was and how interesting it was. And then suddenly yeah. they're trying to turn it into that big sort of end of show fight, uh, sort of fight for your lives kind of thing. And I just didn't really feel like that fit. That that feels like much more of a Falcon and a Winter Soldier kind of thing to me, which is just, I mean, Falcon and Winter Soldier just screams, I'm a superhero show, right? Like that's, yep. that's literally what it is. Um, but the WandaVision, I thought it lost some of its charm and some of its uniqueness kind of down the stretch. And it felt like they kind of strayed to try to try to wrap it up with some big sort of finale. And it just kind of fell flat for me. Yeah. I, I think uh, too, the, I think it was the director of the show came out right before uh, the last episode uh, arrived. And uh, it kind of brought me down expectation wise. Cause he said, Hey, uh, all those things you guys have been planning, <laughs> looking for this show, it's, it's probably not going to happen. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I did, uh, this is going to be my terrible transition here, but uh, I did let you know a couple of things I wanted to talk about. And um, this this is one of my favorite questions to ask for anybody that's really, I, I mean, I, I, I do my, my, my deep dives into prospects when mm -hmm. it is the right time of the season kind of thing. But for, for you, I mean, and, and why you, you, write these fantastic articles ranking incredible work of ranking the entire league uh, is because you spent so much more time doing it. So this question is, as you're going through this, um, I, I'm one that had to, uh, in school, talk about emerging markets. Uh, and I, I think I gave you the examples. I mean, just, you know, from a, a macro perspective, just looking high level here, you know, Brazil, China, Turkey are those emerging markets in the economy. Those are the places that you want to start doing business uh, for those larger corporations, yada, yada, yada. So looking at it from an NHL perspective, and kind of that's how I'm defining that emerging market, uh, wh where do you see like those next spots uh, prospect-wise? Uh, just to, if it's something you've pulled from doing all the prospect rankings or looking at the future drafts where you see more and more names are coming from, or if it's something like a, 
you know, Moritz Cider coming from Germany along with dry Seidel, is it something uh, easier for like the mind to pull out or, or do you have somebody in mind that you're thinking this country's going to get involved in hockey? They're, they're doing a little bit now, but it's going to blow up later. Well, it's a good question. I, I think at the front of mind ones in terms of the, the ones that everybody should be aware of in a in a very real sense in terms of the next five, 10 years is is certainly Germany, who you who you mentioned. And then also kind of the rebirth of, of Slovakia as a country that mm. has produced major, major talent. I mean, when it was Czechoslovakia pre-Velvet Revolution, pre-1992, pre they were a force, right? They were a contender for gold medals on the world Absolutely. stage. And then when the country became a democracy and things kind of broke apart in the early 90s, it started this sort of slow crawl, both for the Czech Republic and for Slovakia, this sort of slow crawl in the wrong direction. And, and a lot of those other countries, like a Germany and a Switzerland, played catch up. And I, I do still think that hockey is is going to make a, a resurgence there. It's still one of the most popular, uh, alongside some of the alpine sports, one of the most popular sports in both of those countries. Next year's draft in particular for Slovakia is going to probably have three first rounders, which I, I would have to go back and look at the history, but I'm guessing you're going back to Czechoslovakia to find three first rounders out of Slovakia um, proper. So that's a, that's one of the places that I would look. The other, which I don't think maybe gets talked about quite enough is probably Great Britain. Um, I mean, we saw Liam Kirk a couple of years ago, who, right. who was obviously an Arizona Coyotes prospect and he has spent part of this season playing back at home and then also in Sweden. Uh, and he may not get an entry level contract as it turns out with Arizona. He's, he's kind of left hanging at this point. He's in a little bit of a limbo. Um, but Alex Graham, uh, one of his countrymen, is eligible for this year's draft. He may not get picked. Uh, he's probably going to be like a seventh rounder or maybe kind of a camp invite, that kind of a player. But the, it, it is growing there for sure. And it's never going to be soccer or rugby, et cetera, et cetera. But it has definitely begun to grow there. And when I talk to people over there, especially with Sheffield, which is the team that has developed both Alex Graham and Liam Kirk, they're excited about some of the other kids that they have coming. So that's a bit of a long shot one. Um, and then Japan is is the other one that has, has really started yes. to produce, regularly produced junior level players in Canada and the United States. And those kids haven't uh, tended to translate into NHL picks, but between Ando, who could get picked this year as kind of a sixth or seventh round pick, Yusato, uh, who came over and played in the QMJHL last year, uh, there has started to be some of those names that propped up. Uh, a, a lot of them are are actually going to be sort of commits to, to NCAA programs. So NCAA programs are doing their work in terms of starting to find the odd player out of Japan. The high school circuit in Japan is actually, I wouldn't say competitive because hockey there really isn't competitive. And a lot of those kids have to go elsewhere to play, but there is a legitimate high school circuit in, in Japan where almost all of the big high schools in the country have team, have hockey, have varsity hockey teams that are starting to produce some decent players. And those results are, are being seen at the lower levels internationally at, at sort of the third and fourth tiers uh, for U18s and U20s. So those are, those are probably the ones I'd keep an eye on. Yeah, it's such an interesting uh, topic for me because I feel like when you you try to take a look at uh, the Red Wings, they had that success of being one of the first teams to go over and and break. You know, I mean, they're bringing Sergei Fedorov over, and in the same year, they're they're drafting Nicholas Lidstrom. And it really back then, uh, I, I spoke with Keith Gave, who was a major piece in in that puzzle. Uh, like it just was one of those things where it was such a huge risk to to go in that direction, especially to take a couple of guys back to back in the draft. But mm -hmm. really it was it was just them jumping ahead of trends, right? Like when you when you take a look at it, it, it wasn't necessarily anybody was looking at Sergey Fedorov and going, he's not going to make it in the NHL. It was just who's who's going to take that risk to do it first. And I, I yeah. hate to belittle the work that was done to find Sergey Fedorov, but when when speaking with a couple of people that were involved, they, they, it was like a no-brainer. This kid's going to be a god in, in professional hockey. Just a matter of bringing him over. And not that yeah. it's the same situation, like you mentioned, uh, uh, going over to like Great Britain. It's very easy to bring somebody over to the States. Maybe not during COVID, but uh, that's, you know, the, the point of the question is just to go, well, where do you find, uh, with so many scouts that are out there, with so many different ways to watch guys just streaming online, which I know isn't the same as going to a game, but um, 
man, there's there's so much access out there. Like, how do you find that diamond in the rough? And that's where, like, if, if again, going back to the Red Wings, if you start to try and figure out how do you go 25 straight years of playoffs, um, it's it's landing the diamonds in the rough that, you know, if they if they knew any better, if the rest of the league yeah. knew any better, those guys would have never gotten as far back in the draft as they ended up going. You, you were the second person I've asked that to that has brought up uh, Great Britain. So I, um, mm. it, 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 it's got to be something where if there's a trend that's building, uh, if two people are saying it, <laughs> there, there you go. All right. Um, sorry, joking aside. <laughs> I, I did want to ask your your opinion on uh, on developing in general too. So this this is something I I, I also like to do in, in regards to like diving into what if I have a hockey writer on like what what are you what like what a part of your job is something uh, the listeners can grab onto um, that that would be a little bit different from anybody else. But I, I I do like to go into the actual development here of of the prospects, and I want to ask you another generic question, uh, not about the Red Wings, but if if you had to put a finger on it, and there's probably a ton of variables, and this changes from uh, player to player, team to team, but do you think from a development perspective, uh, and this is huge for Red Wings fans because they want to get rid of Jeff Blaschel because they think he's not developing players properly. Uh, do you think from a development perspective, more is done as a kid? in the minor leagues, the juniors, or are they getting the most amount of development from NHL ice time? Ooh, it's a good question. It's kind of the million dollar question that every team is still trying to, to sort of strike a balance between. It's when's the right. kid, when is the kid ready? Uh, if he's ready, do we have a roster spot that's available for him that will maximize what he does well, or are we putting him into a spot where he's destined to fail? Uh, all of those are, are very, very tough questions to answer in a sport like hockey where it doesn't come down to something as simple as if you've got a great wingspan in the NBA, chances are you're going to be a good defender or a good rebounder. Or if you can throw 100 miles per hour in, in the MLB, chances are even if you have control issues, you're, you're still going to be at least a reliever at that level. So th there's it's just not that simple with hockey. So I know that's not right. a firm answer, but the, I think the, the answer is that uh, I don't know. In terms of an no, actual answer to the question, I, I think the more it, more and more NHL teams, I think, are having a real impact on these players. But I had a conversation with a, a coach in Minnesota for a story I'm working on in one of the draft eligibles a couple of days ago. And he said, look, my theory is that the good players always stay the good players. Like they, the kid who's good at 10 years old, we can talk a lot about all the development that happens into their teenage years and beyond. But the kids who are the best players on the ice in, in Minnesota or in Michigan or in Ontario at 10, 11 years old, they pretty much almost all of the time stay the best at 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. So uh, I think sometimes we also try to overcomplicate things. Sometimes one kid's just better than the next kid and it's really that simple. Um, but I do think increasingly that there's more of an impact being had at the NHL level with some of these departments that, that NHL teams have built for themselves. Uh, that there are there are limitations to how much you can train and work out. And a lot of some of these kids actually overdo both of those things in terms of uh, conditioning and just over conditioning themselves. And uh, it burns them out too early in their careers. But increasingly, NHL teams, I think, have found a nice market where they, they can actually mold these players more than they used to. And maybe it's less and less about player A is better than player B and more about, okay, we can we can fit this kid into the right spot and we can work right. with what he does well and fix what he doesn't do well. So skating coaches are a big part of that. We always hear about the Barb Underhills of the world and the Daryl Belfries of the world and these sort of gurus that NHL teams now turn to to, to fix some of the quirks about their kids. Um, so I think, I don't know, it's, it's interesting. It's an emerging industry and every team's budget is the same. So I think the wealthy teams are benefiting more from that nowadays than, than some of the teams that just don't have the resources to have these massive staffs of people who work on very individual plans with each of their players. Um, but, but it's definitely getting there. It's definitely a sort of blossoming industry in hockey. And I think increasingly it start, we're starting to see some of the impacts with some of the teams that just frankly do it better than other teams with some of the teams that 
uh, we, we talk all about whether they've drafted well, but maybe part of it is not just picking the better players on draft day. It's what happens after that. And there are teams, it would be a very hard thing to, to map out uh, in firm terms, but there are teams that right. do that better than others. And I think you look at what the Philadelphia Flyers have done over the last several years. You look at what the Leafs have done over the last several years. I think the Vegas Golden Knights got it right basically from day one in terms of drafting and developing. Uh, obviously, they traded a lot of those kids to other teams, mm-hmm. but uh, they, they've, they've done well. So it, it, it is some teams are definitely doing it better than others. Yeah, that, that actually is a great point, because I was going to ask you if you think, um, and, and your point of the, the Vegas Golden Knights uh, works right into where, the question that popped in my head. If you, if you think, like, the player turnover should be, I don't know, it, maybe it's maybe I don't want to say it should be higher, but if, if teams should be more willing, if they don't feel the fit sooner, if it's worthwhile to try and find another fit, or if you think, like, there is that amount of... Um, leeway you give a player to develop them into that fit yeah and every team is worried about getting burned by the prospect right like right with the with the fit if if you give up on a kid who's 21 years old and he really clicks elsewhere they know with a 28 or a 29 year old what the other team is getting versus trading a prospect i think and i think you're right it, it is a better choice for a lot of teams to trade that kid earlier when that kid has value uh, or perceived value, at least. If you right. figured out that this kid's broken and he's not going to make it work, other teams may not have figured that out. So I do think there's, and Justin Bourne, who used to work at the Athletic, often spoke about this. But there's a window for prospects where if 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 you're if you're not absolutely convinced they're going to be a piece of the puzzle, they probably have more value earlier than later because the longer you wait, the less they're worth. So uh, I, I do think that's an element uh, that that teams should explore, but every team is afraid of that kid who just goes on to become a star, right? So uh, that's that's the kind of thing for a general manager that sticks on your record and that fans and and your bosses in terms of presidents and CEOs of these clubs just don't forget. So it's a a huge risk. But yeah, taking a look at those higher value guys that the Red Wings have right now, uh, you listed us as the fourth uh, highest uh, prospect Group is that? That's probably the best way to put that uh, yep. grouping. Um, what I don't want to do, I, I just want everybody to go over to the athletic, check out what you said about the players. Uh, so th- that's that's that, right? <laughs> but what I, I wanted to, to discuss where where your head's at in regards to uh, the timetable for these guys. Maybe this relates into um, maybe an, ex- an extension of what we were just discussing uh, because of COVID and development. Um, but what, what are the odds of, of Red Wings fans? Um, I'm going to take Mo Sider out of there because I think he's going to be coming over next season based on what we're seeing right now. But yep. for the likes of Lucas Raymond, uh, Bergeron, who's your number three on the list, Joe Valeno, and then uh, Volander, who you said you took a deep dive in, are we going to be seeing these guys in the next two years? Or, sh- or, or do you think there could be an issue with COVID slowing the development of some of these guys that it's going to be a little bit longer because Lucas, I was just speaking with uh, one of our, our bloggers uh, for our website. One of my concerns is, uh, uh, or one of my biggest fears was that we were going to be going a couple years before we saw him. And that's looking not necessarily based on his performance, but because of what's going on yep. um, around the world that it, it could just be something where we are waiting to God forbid, Three years as a Red Wings fan, God forbid. Uh, but yeah, how, how do you see that uh, playing out, or, or, or if you're seeing anything right now that kind of points us in that direction? Well, I think Lucas is a, a, an interesting one because I, I wrote it this in advance of the draft, but he was always one of the kids at the top of the draft where it was going to be incumbent on the Red Wings and on Red Wings fans to say, okay we need to be more patient with this kid. And when Tim Stutzla is tearing it up or Alexa <laughs> Lafreniere is tearing it up, we need right. to make sure that we are grounded in, okay, it's not about the first couple of years of these kids' careers. It's about where they're at in their prime. And I think the same argument could have been made if they had taken Cole Perfetti. Like Cole was going to be a kid who was just going to probably take a year or two longer than some of the other players taken in that range. And I think that's kind of still where you're at on Lucas, the, the potential, the excitement, his his ultimate value in the prime of his career is a guy who has a chance to be a first line winger in the NHL and run a power play unit. And those guys don't grow on trees and they're 
extremely, extremely rare. So you, you have to be careful with him. I, I, he, because he's not the biggest kid or the fastest kid, although he definitely has picked up a step this year. And I thought that was noticeable early on in the season after he came back from the summer. And I, I know in speaking to him during the summer that it was something that he was really keen on working on because he was always a very agile, uh, mobile skater in terms of his edges, but he was never an explosive player. And so he had, he does look stronger on his feet. He looks more comfortable out there against professionals. All of that is true. But does that mean that he comes over and he plays in the NHL the next year, like you would probably hope a top five pick does in his second season after his draft? And the reality is, is that I think patience could be more valuable there than just plugging him into a lineup that isn't likely to be all that much better next year than it has been the last few years. So right. um, I, I really do think that patience with, with Lucas is – is it is really important. And I had a really interesting conversation with uh, Tommy Birkinen, who is the president and CEO of Carpat. And I'm doing a story on Aturatu. I spoke with him this morning and he made a good point about how their philosophy is. If you're not capable of making the world championships team, or if you're not at least in the conversation to make the world championships team, then you should not be going over to the NHL because odds are you're not ready and odds are you're going to end up in the AHL. There may not be any Swedes or any Finns on that AHL team, and it can just start to be a little bit of a difficult situation. So I think Berggren is on the flip side of Raymond is the kid who's at that point right now, right? Like Berggren right. is, he's in the conversation to play for Sweden at Worlds. And when you're at that level, that means you are, you're one of the best players in the SHL. And I would argue that the SHL is the third best pro league in the world. So that's a big deal, right? So right. Uh, Berggren's uh, cl closer, I would say, than Lucas is. Um, not to say that I don't think Lucas could play next year and, and be a fine piece. I, I think he could, and certainly he'd be good on the power play and all that. But I do think that someone like Berggren is is closer, uh, and that's just because of the level that he has reached in the SHL, which is a darn darn good level, right? So um, that that th those are the kinds of players that I would be looking at for next year, probably Berggren and um, and Insider. I mean, Insider's at that same level in the SHL uh, as well, right? So uh, those two kids, I think, are close, and then Lucas. I don't know, maybe you just let him play another year in the SHL and go from there. I don't think that is cause for concern per se. Gotcha. And so that ultimately my, my fear, I'll just take away the word fear and I'll just say, maybe that's just more reality and just calm down. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things, you know, like with, with being a Red Wings fan right now, it just feels like uh, you're underwater, but each, each time, you know, Mo Sider lays a hit, it's like you're getting another flotation device or something yeah. underneath you. So it, it makes you, you get your head above water and you just, you want to get, you want that boat to come around one of these days. And right now I think it, it's safe to say that that boat is is probably a combination of uh, captained by, not not that he's going to be the captain of the team, but captained by Lucas Raymond. And of course the skipper will be Mo Sider. And there's got to be some crewmates in there that would be Bergeron. This is a, uh, fun road I just went down. Um, well, you've got another. We've got another pick coming in this draft too that should be high, so that'll help as well. Exactly. Um, now, one of the the guys I'm I'm happy you mentioned that you took a, a closer look at with uh, with Volander. I I actually put the stake of the show on uh, this past draft because uh, I before we drafted, I said I wanted to see Lucas Raymond and Wallander actually get picked in, in the second round. So right when that happened, I got a text message that said, wow, you better hope you were right because you, you got what you wanted. Um, but what, what, what are you seeing right now from, uh, from Volander? Yeah, so I do this series called The Gifted every year, which is kind of a 10-part video series that I do where I release one piece every, every week. Uh, and it's starting tomorrow with a Noel Gunler, a Carolina Hurricanes prospect. And Wallander will be the second uh, week of it. And part of what the series is all about is not necessarily doing video deep dives on the best prospects in the world, but the ones who just for whatever reason fascinate me. And <laughs> Gunler certainly qualifies for that. And so does Wallander. And I think what's interesting about Wallander is that the raw tools are there, right? So he's huge. He can skate. He's mobile. His footwork is impressive. And then the the refined skills, which is actually what a lot of kids, it, it's normally the reverse these days, right? All of these kids these days have these ridiculously refined, fil finesse, uh, sort of soft skills 
uh, and they can wow you in a practice, but they don't have some of the tools that translate in game in ter- or at least in NHL games in terms of the mobility, the size, that kind of a thing. So he, he's kind of the, the inverse to what a lot of prospects look like these days. And I think that's exciting because despite the fact that he maybe doesn't shoot the puck all that well, and he's got this weird grip on his stick that I'm going to highlight in the piece in terms of <laughs> how high his hands are on his stick. And it just, yeah, there are little things about him that are just a little bit weird. Uh, but <laughs> all in all, I, I think the idea of him is if you can put it together, if, if he can put it together, if he can really refine some of those, those areas where he, he may be a little bit further behind than his peers, then he's already got the skating, he's already got the length, and then suddenly those are the kinds of players who play in a top four instead of playing on the third pairing or in the AHL, right? So those are the players you should be targeting in the draft are kids who have the potential to be something more than the depth players that you can just get in free agency for a million bucks every August, right? Like it's it's always that conversation for me. It's... you want to be taking swings. And I think Wallander kind of perfectly sort of qualifies as one of those swings. And frankly, anti Tuomisto does as well. So the Red Wings have not shied away from going after projects, if you will. Uh, and that's not to say he's a bad player, that he's not talented. He is. And I'll, right. I'll, I'm going to highlight all of those things. But uh, there, there's, a, there's a lot of room for growth there. And I think that's what's exciting. Yeah, and I think, uh, like you mentioned before, and Red Wings fans know this, but we're we're still a few years away, even now. Like we're we're two years into uh, two years deep into being one of the worst teams in the NHL, but we've probably still got a few to go. So if there's a guy that we can wait, if there's projects out there, I, that, that's something that I hope Wings fans know we can't shy away from or turn away from because I. I think, I don't know if you'd agree on this, but, you know, I talked about these guys coming in as soon as possible, but there's also an element of making sure all of this lines up because you don't want to have, like, it it could be something where contract-wise, that's where you want your head to be at. But when these guys start to Mm -hmm. come in, you're you're building this timetable of uh, affordability, being able to go into free agency because you have these cheaper contracts of kids that that are ready to play. And, and you're making work the, the guys that you've already put through your pipeline, and that's where the names like Dylan Larkin, who you know yeah. are, are going to be the highest paid players on the team, hopefully when we're successful, um, you know that's when those names are still part of the equation. Uh, so I, I, I that makes only too much sense, and I, I, I'm I'm happy to hear that you found a lot of good things with Fallender, uh, you know, with with you saying he's he's a project as well. But I can't thank you enough for coming on. I hope I can have you on again because. Uh, yep. You, you, the articles are an absolute blast, everybody. I, I implore you. We say it almost every show, but I hope you guys are checking out the athletic, um, and especially Scott Wheeler's takes. Uh, we, I wanted to go into you did the the. Uh, I think you might have tweeted this. I'm not sure if this is the article, but the way too early 2022 mm-hmm. uh, list of the top 50 players. Um, that that'll make you know for Red Wings fans, it's going to make you feel a lot better about what's going on right now. But. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Scott, is there anything else uh, you wanted to throw out there for the listeners to make sure that they do check out, uh, including uh, the article you mentioned on, on Wallander coming out? Yeah, no, the, that, that's it. You got the piece coming out on Wallander and uh, in between me sort of hopping on the Red Wings beat every once in a while to do prospect stuff, you've also got Max Boltman at The Athletic, who is oh, the best. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it, it, you're in good hands if, if you're looking for good Red Wings coverage.